0: Hello, I'm J.R. Parley, and I welcome you to Come Fishing. This week, I've travelled to Venice to fish in the beautiful historical canals and waterways here. Is there anything better than casting your line surrounded by centuries of history and significance? I've yet to find something better, although I do love fishing in Norfolk this time of year. I'm here to fish for the magnificent Venetian carp, a worshipped and rare breed of the carp family... With notoriously sharp reactions and a higher than normal level of cunning when it comes to avoiding your hook. Obviously, your first question will be what equipment is that you're using? Well, give me a moment to cast my line and I'll talk you through it. Right, just grab myself a place to sit. Ah, that's better. Now, the rod is a simple carbon fibre setup with a standard reel and a strong nylon loin. These carp really know how to struggle, so you'll need robust equipment. The bait? Now, here's where I've had to organise something extra special. I've used something that's not easy to get hold of back home in the UK, limb of virgin. Now, I've been told that the most popular bait used by the experts here in Venice is the left forearm but I've had to make do with the right thigh as it's fishing competition season here at this time of year and supply of the more popular baits are running low. So let's just see how I get on. Oh, hang on. Something's bitten, I think. Hold on. I'll try and reel her in. Here she comes. Oh, my God. It, it's hideous.
1: We apologise for the break in this programme. We're not entirely sure what's happened but we are working hard to sort it out and hope to rejoin JR Partly in a few moments. In the meantime, please enjoy the following program. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oodcast episode 10. With me this week, we have Chris Alpha. Hello, Andrew. Hello, and me, Chris Sigma. And no Laura, I'm afraid. Although you will hear her presence through sketches and songs all the way through, but Laura has been. Moonlighting on other podcasts. Yes, she's this been week. working
0: very hard in the cause. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's and very uh, good. She was too on the Doctor Who podcast, yeah. episode 13.
2: Absolutely brilliant. She was uh, with Tom there discussing uh, flesh and stone. And uh, yeah, if you want to have a look at that, that's at www.thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Encourage you to take a look at that and indeed the entire podcast because the three of them over there are brilliant. They really are. Mm. Yeah, really cool. Uh, So there we go. So Laura's having a lie down after all the excitement.
0: (laughs) Well-deserved lie down, I think, as well.
2: Yeah. It's the Oodcast News. (laughs) Hello!
3: Oodcast News.
1: Hello and welcome to the Oodcast News. The headlines today...
2: Popular podcaster reveals real reason for interest in Doctor Who. What do you like about him?
1: Buttocks. Aquatic species around the world have denied the existence of the so-called fish from
0: space. However, the Merker was unavailable for comment. Internet forums are alight with heated discussion this week after delivery vans were spotted outside the BBC. Fan photos which were posted online clearly show IKEA-branded boxes and a product number. When typed into the IKEA website, the number reveals the delivery was a compulsory self-assembly Balsawood story arc.
2: Stephen Moffat reveals the next thing he's going to make scary. Yes, after exploiting such childhood terrors as monsters under your bed, the dark, statues and things glimpsed from the corner of your eye, Moffat is to turn his attention to old men's ear hair, knits and having to have communal showers after P.E. lessons.
1: The new Perception clothing range launches today. A statement from the company said, "...it's an exciting development for fashion in which, at the flick of a switch, you can create a virtual outfit to fit any occasion." Apparently, the clothing
0: is so realistic, you can actually take it off. Some Italian viewers of Doctor Who were outraged at the portrayal of all young female Venetians as vampirical fish monsters. The Venice Tourist Board has issued a statement which denies the implied characterization. Uomo De Pesci, the board's spokesman, said in an email to the Udcast. It is a complete half-truth. Only 74% of young Venetians are this way inclined. So Vampires of Venice, fellas. Comments? I thought it was very, very good. Very
1: good
2: fun once again i loved it i think this is just gonna be what it's like Um, are we ever gonna
1: dislike one i think
2: that it was very much a sort of middle of the season kind of episode there was nothing added to the ongoing story in there it was just a really solid no solid makes it sound boring it was an excellent doctor who episode Mm. just a kind of a if it was in the army it would be just a normal soldier who was just quite honorable and great. Hmm. I'm trying to do Laura metaphors here, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a sort of a star. It wouldn't be one that everyone talked about yeah. who got I'm, medals.
1: I'm with you all the way there, Chris, because for me it was um it was Doctor Who like we're used to, really. It was um I thought it was like Terror of the Zygons, you know, alien race trapped on earth trying to sort things out for themselves or a bit like The Unquiet Dead when they come through the time crack thing after the time war and they always cracks loads of yeah and you know it's we've seen that story so many times in the history of the series but this was good because it was well written it was witty Mm -hmm. it was extremely well acted Helen McCrory and who's the guy who played her son those two just stole Jeff McWiggins Mm -hmm. and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, on the whole, you know, there was and lots of ideas of um, or, or plot points were seeded early uh, and you thought, oh, it's just a comment, you know, like, oh, he's got gunpowder. Oh, nothing will ever come of that. Or... Yeah, that's what we oh, all also... saw
2: the... Oh, gunpowder. Oh, yeah. that's probably just a bit of background color. Yeah. yeah, And
1: the the bit where she looks into the um, over the jetty, and uh, he says, "Don't get too close; they might think
0: you're a human." Seeds the ending. So the, the, the the gunpowder bit was the one thought. I thought the one bit that I thought was a bit too obvious. That oh. was like the episode of Father Ted. Where they introduce one of the characters, drive the, the the dumbest character on the island, driving a sewage truck, <laughs> and being taught which one opens the doors, which one shoots the stuff out, and you know at the end you know he's going to get it wrong. Yeah. Sort of, oh, there's gunpowder. That's going to have some. Did kind you think of bearing. oh, there's going to be a big explosion later yeah. on? Oh. I thought it was going to be a lot quicker than it happened. Actually, <laughs> so it did catch me out. But I did read somewhere that people were I don't know whether it was a complaint or not that it was essentially like an episode of Being Human in Venice, and. I thought, yeah, what's wrong with that?
1: Being human's mm. good. Mm. What's sort of a mix sort of, of um, well, humour and writer, the tragedy? Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah, Toby, no. Toby house. Yeah. yeah, I keep meaning to get the DVDs of I think Cuban, I think the vampire completely. Well, the vampires are very different, actually. He's written
2: a very different... Well, obviously, they turn out not to be vampires, but they're very different from the being human vampire
0: mythos. I I think this is quite a different tone as well, isn't it? Because there's quite an obvious comical streak to the way the Doctor behaves around things, which I think is brilliant. Mm. And that scene that was used as a preview on the Jonathan Ross programme with him (laughs) in the dungeon with the the girls. Tell me the whole plan! That was fantastic. (laughs) uh, Even though I'd seen it before, that still made me kind of inwardly squeal with joy you know, I, know. I went oh it's the
1: spit when it came
0: on <laughs>
1: yeah you yeah. can
2: tell why it's being used as a showcase mm. for Matt Smith's mm. acting ability because he has that incredible sort of bumbling charm where he sort of almost trips over his own words and his own feet, but he's always got this uh, momentum pushing him forward through the scene. He is just so
1: watchable. There's a lovely bit in the uh, opening sequence where he's just come out of the cake and his hand gets stuck in some tape and he has to shake (laughs) it free on the side of the frame. And you're like, you know, lots of factors would go, sorry, can we go again? Because that Mm. was pants. But with Matt Smith, it just works because he's like that. But there was a thing
0: with... with the uh, was it the flesh and stone was the last episode, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, um, Christopher. The, see, my memory's in overdrive this it's week. Getting better. <laughs> last week's, I remember. Um There was an, a part of that. It was the one before that, in fact, where they're in in that little the bit drop the, ship. The, yeah, when he grabs hold of the strap mm. and it snaps, and they liked it so much they kept it in because of the reactions of people around him. And I think that's how he. Mm. I think that's genuine reflection of his talent i think mm. he can carry that off and just carry, carry
2: it on, on well, they carry actually it on. restaged that bit yeah. <laughs> just so they could actually have that bit with the right camera steps. yeah set without up. cracking up <laughs> <laughs>
1: um what did we think of the opening sequence because it was a bit unusual
2: i thought it was really funny
1: i laughed
0: and laughed and laughed so the bit that got me was there? Oh, oh, good, you're sort of thing, oh, good, you're there. I didn't want to jump out the wrong cake again. <laughs> 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 how many how many stack dudes has he been to prior to that one? Got the wrong venue. It does make you wonder how long he's been looking for it. But him.
1: what I liked about it was there were two stories going on there. And what you'd normally expect from a pre credit sequence is the scary bit with the cliffhanger, and then you're off into the story. So normally it would cut with um, the the teeth and the biting, but with this one goes into story two, which is the story of Rory and the Doctor trying to get him and Amy back together and telling the the Doctor's sort of not quite getting human relationships, not quite understanding it, being a bit bumbling. And I thought that was an unusual move
0: and I thought it worked. I'm, I'm predictably perhaps thrilled that it's going in that direction. <laughs> Personally I really didn't want it to be another uh, woman meets Doctor, woman throws herself at Doctor. Oh,
2: it was it, never going to be that. She made she made again. it very yeah. clear that she was just looking for something but for the evening. The
0: difference to me is the way the Doctor reacts. In that, first of all, he he was horrified. <laughs> that's what she was suggesting, and decided, right, what I've got to do is make sure you two don't lose each other. No, mm. no,
2: I think it's more than that. I think it's so. That's the point I want no. to make. It seems like it's just the Doctor playing matchmaker in some ways, but I reckon that the crack is being created because she is not going through her normal time stream or something. I think there's more to it than just, oh dear, this girl fancies me, I've got to get a so back to her fiancé. So you think he's fiance. trying
1: to get yes. her to Rory to heal the crack?
2: I think it's all part of it. I'm sure it is, because well, think... he said the most important thing in the universe is that I get you oh, sorted yeah. out. I don't think it's just a yeah, domestic. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think next week's, next week's episode looks like it kind of sorts that out
1: can i just say one more thing about the opening uh, pre-credits bit was the cliffhanger the the um the, the musical sting at the start of the episode is over the doctor being a complete loss for words uh, rather than a scary cliffhanger moment but for me that is almost a cliffhanger you don't normally see the doctor completely flummoxed and out of his depth in a comedic moment. So that is worth a cliffhanger in its own right. Yeah, it and worked I laughed really well. and, laughed and laugh. well. I
2: laughed into the credit yes, sequence. Nick. So I was laughing I after I laughed all the way through them <laughs> spinning in. Yeah, no, it was really good. Uh, and it actually started making me think a little bit. Uh, if the Doctor had been traipsing from party to party, displacing strippers and popping out of cakes <laughs> trying to find Rory, that I wonder if there was any repercussions to that.
3: Oh, I think I must have the wrong number.
4: Who are you looking for, love?
3: The, uh, the stripping people?
4: No, that's us. We just call ourselves Premium Mm Maddox Entertainment because my boss, Helena, thinks it'll attract a better class of customer.
3: Oh, right. I see, has it?
4: Has it what?
3: Attracted a better class of customer?
4: Not that I've noticed, no. It's still all the bottom-wise city boys and desperate slappers. No offence.
3: Right. Well... The reason I'm ringing is, well, that is, I want to book... A stripper.
4: Yeah, i got that vibe. It was either that or a cheap flight for two to Benidorm. I took an educated guess.
3: Uh, Right.
4: Because we're a stripping agency. That's what gave me uh, the clue.
3: Yes, well, I suppose that makes sense.
4: Male or female.
3: What? The stripper?
4: No, your mum. Yes, the stripper. Male or female.
3: Sorry, mail.
4: And do you have a specific male in mind?
3: It's funny you should say that. I do, as it happens. I was at a friend's hen night yesterday, and this man popped out of this giant cake, looked around, pulled a face, and then just left.
4: Didn't he take his clothes off? Well, no. I'm not sure he was a stripper, you know. From what you've just described, he didn't behave like any strippers I know. They'd have taken their clothes off.
3: Well... He seemed in a hurry. Very focused energy, but there was something about him. He was glorious.
4: And you're sure he was one of ours?
3: Yes. Amanda, she's the chief bridesmaid. She made the booking for you. She gave me this number. She said she's actually going to ring to complain after the weekend.
4: Oh, joy. But you still want to book this amazing clothes-on stripper, do you? Yes, please. I don't suppose he told you his name before he left fully clothed, did he?
3: I'm afraid not.
4: Didn't think so. What was he wearing? Fireman uniform? Policeman? Biker? Superhero? Mm,
3: Librarian. Like, what? I'd say librarian. Or a university professor. He was sort of Indiana Jones meets hipster at a ska gig. Do you have that as one of your themes?
4: What? Indiana Jones meets hipster at a ska gig? Yes. No, that would be stupid look, what did he look like? Can you describe him to me?
3: He looked weird. Weird? Like old and young at the same time. Right. Like someone who'd taken the face of an old guy and photoshopped all the wrinkles away. I see. Or like someone who had taken the features of a handsome man and sellotaped them onto the head that was slightly too small for them.
4: Interesting.
3: From some angles, he looked like a boxer who had taken 10 rounds of punishment without being knocked out. But from others, he looked like a small boy. He also looked like a waxwork of a Hollywood screen idol that had gone all melty, a good looking Frankenstein monster, an emo, a 1940s comic book superhero, and one of those stone statue heads on Easter Island. Anything else? Yes. He looked exactly like Mr. Soft in the Trebo or Soft adverts of the early 90s, and he moved like a drunk giraffe.
4: Outstanding. Sorry to break this to you, but we have no one on our books who fits that description.
3: Are you sure?
4: Madam, I don't think anyone on Earth could fit that description accurately.
3: No, perhaps you're right. Or can
4: I interest you in an alternative?
3: Have you got anyone who looks like David Tennant?
2: Okay, um, so things we didn't like. Do we want to be pedantic? I want to be pedantic. I've got some pedantry. Is that the word? Pedantry? Pedantry is good. You you start. I'll think of one. Mm. Joyous pedantry. (laughs) At the end, when she (laughs) took off all of her... Well, firstly, how could you take off clothes where when the perception filter changed, Mm. she's
0: not wearing clothes. And how was she wearing that dress underneath the other one?
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Because it's just a perception filter. I don't really mind. I, every no, I time know. i hear myself saying that i hate myself mm. but i just thought you know
1: <laughs> well it's only a health and safety thing for the actor isn't it because she couldn't have dived into the water in all that gear uh more pedantry um so a tidal wave's on the way and um the canals are left full of fish and also the silence all these things particularly the silence why doesn't the doctor stay and find out what that's all about Good day, Sebastian. Ah, good day. How are you, my friend? Not good. Not good at all. It's my gondolier business. Ever since that strange storm and the earthquake
0: and the tidal wave and the silence. Oh, yes. That was such a strange day. So strange. I I almost don't like to think about
1: it. Yes. I'm really suffering from the ongoing repercussions. Once that awful silence stopped, I was just getting back to normal when my customers started getting eaten. It's the canals. They're full of monsters. These huge fish with the most fearsome teeth. I have lost three customers in the last week. They disappeared overboard and... and... oh, it was horrible. People are starting to stay indoors. I'm having to deliver their shopping to them. And you say it all started around the time of the storm? And the earthquake, and the tidal wave, and the silence. Yes. What do you think happened that day, Sebastian?
0: Well, I heard reports of a man. A stranger. His paper said he was an emissary of the Pope. He stopped the storm and then he vanished, never to be seen again. The man with the strange bow tie thing? The very same. My theory is that the events are all connected... But I know not what strange powers are behind them. It would take a man of great vision and knowledge to stop such a storm.
1: Well, I wish he'd been more effective. The scientists tell me it was just luck the earthquake didn't cause an even bigger tidal wave, which would have wiped us all out. As for the fish and that awful silence, well, I wish he could have stayed a bit
0: longer to sort all that out. Yes, Ricardo. Frankly, whoever he was must have been having an off day. Maybe he might come back.
1: I like to think of time as being fluid. Sort of like a... how to put this? Like a big ball of...
0: Spaghetti?
1: Of... oh, I wish I could describe it.
0: Yes, Ricardo. Yes, maybe we have yet to see the whole story.
1: Hmm.
2: The guy who plays... Rory, whose name's Arthur Deville. Is that how you pronounce his name? It it will do. Arthur Deville. I thought he was superb. Really superb. He is a a gifted comic actor. Every line that he had to react to something strange happened, it was comic gold. I thought he was brilliant. I'm so glad he's in the TARDIS, because I thought, oh, another one. It's not going to work. Another companion. Mm -hmm. But he's really good fun, and I really like him. Do you
1: know him from anything else?
2: Looked him up on IMDb. He hasn't really been in much, just a sort of background face as mm. Matt Smith was. Really,
0: he had my second favorite line of the episode as well, which was, "I'm sorry, but this is mental," <laughs> yeah. and that just kind of sums it all. Down. That's why he's there. His he?
2: reaction when uh, the the guy pulls the sword and he's like, mm, hmm. it, I, <laughs> "I don't," I, it's just brilliant. It's very well delivered.
1: Do you know my favorite favorite bit? Is the Doctor pulling out the um, the sun lamp from his jacket. You know, so, the Doctor's got a new jacket, and plainly, it's dimensionally transcendental.
2: I think some of the old Doctor Who jackets were dimensionally transcendental too. Or it's too.
0: made from Mary Poppins' handbag.
2: Yep, maybe so. The Doctor is a bit Mary Poppins, isn't he? <laughs> it's
0: the yeah. billowing bill in his skirts and flying everyone on an umbrella. That's what that is, <laughs> isn't it? What about... Um, what about why were all the male fish
1: on the spaceship? Where were the female ones? Was it because it was a big in school and... in space and it's a single-sex educational system?
2: No, no, s- s- they fell. They didn't. 9. They fell through a crack to get mm. to Earth, and the, all the females died. Did they? Yeah. Why was that? You need to watch the episode, Andrew.
0: Yeah, I've watched it twice. Give us a chance. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched it once. Go up. <laughs> No but why? Why would they die?
1: Why would because
2: a... obviously on that species, not all species listeners, but that species, the females are weaker. Okay. Except for the queen. Except for the who's queen, who's super strong. And they're a bit like ants maybe.
0: probably protected as well being the queen.
2: Yeah. They swarmed around her. Mm. No. Is, sw- isn't
1: isn't that true of around her? Isn't that true of ants that the queen is well strong and all the worker ants are blokes and something like that?
2: Well, from my knowledge of ants, um But that's mostly from a bug's life, though. (laughs) It's probably not biologically sound, is it? From my knowledge of ants, if you kind of put them in water, they don't last very long. Chris, Chris. They can carry up to five times their own body weight.
0: Yeah. How do you like them apples? Well, they do, as long as it's one apple per ant. (laughs) I'd, I really, really liked it, though I know there were th- traditionally now, I think, some concerns that after the big one of the big set-piece two-parters, the next episode is going to be a bit pants. So I know it's happened after a couple of the other Moffat ones where people have been very disappointed with the next one, but I thought this was this was great. It's not going to grab any massive headlines, but well, it was fantastic the way it, it followed on and the way it built on.
1: Location work was beautiful. Yeah, it was lovely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I find vampires very scary, I have to say. And um, so I was slightly relieved that I wasn't so freaked out by it that I thought I thought I was going to have a hard
2: time with it. Do you still so. fancy the blonde one? Mm. I have to say mm. that I think the director fancied the blonde one as well. She you
1: uh, close up on her in every scene that she was in all the time? That's right. <laughs> Before or after she changed? Oh, before. I was trying to work out which of the fish was her and I was thinking, no, don't do not do that.
0: <laughs> you kept a lookout for her. Oh, it must be love, Andy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that an episode like this can get lost maybe sometimes mm. because there's such a great episode before it. Uh, but I think it just has, it's one of those ones I'm going to rediscover, I can see in a few years and I won't have watched it, I'll have watch the Moffat 2 parter and that would be the ones I'm showing my friends and stuff. And then I'll just go, yeah, watch Vampires of Venice again. And it will be delightful. Like when I went back and saw Fires of Pompeii, I was like, actually, this is a really solid, brilliant story and has flashes of absolute genius. Mm. And
0: in terms of consistency, this has been very high. I think the consistent quality of this series has been good. I mean, I know there's at least one that a lot of people have been a little bit down on. But um I'd, generally the consistent the quality has been very consistently good
5: Oh my dear father Don't
2: make me go to school there. They wake me up at midnight and strap me to a chair.
5: Yes, yes.
2: I know it's crazy. They also drink my blood. They'll take me to a lakeside chuck me in the water I'm burning in the sunlight. Oh God I'm being eaten Fishes have mercy, have mercy. Fishes have mercy.
4: just that I worry about her, Gerald. We agreed to put her in private education to give her a better chance in life.
2: That's right, Hilary. Being the poor daughter of a humble gondolier and amateur pizza maker like myself would never have allowed Alessandra to progress in life. Signora Calvieri took a big chance on us.
4: And I appreciate that, Gerald. It's just that I'm concerned with the level of academic rigour that the Signora brings to her lessons. I mean, look at this place. There aren't even any desks.
2: I know what you mean. I was surprised to see none of the girls' work displayed in the corridors. It makes it very hard to judge the curriculum.
4: Alessandra's only 16. The rudiments of academic excellence need to be instilled now if she's to achieve distinction at Key Stage 4. I'm beginning to think we should have sent her to that finishing school for young ladies in Rome.
2: Yes, but they've got the plague there, though.
4: Well, Medici's Academy in Vienna, then.
2: Again, full of plague, apparently. Can't move for plagues.
4: Signora Cabate Puccia school in Verona?
2: Plague City, by all accounts. Plague up to their eyeballs.
4: It does seem strange that educational institutions frequented by young women have been hit so singularly by the plague.
2: Yes. I'm no doctor, but I'll bet it has something to do with original sin. Gerald! Don't blame me, Hilary. It was your lot that ate the apple in the first place. I'm just being scientific. It's the only reasonable explanation.
4: Not necessarily. There could be lots of reasons. (laughs)
2: Like what?
4: Well, it could be, um... Visitors from beyond the stars. Perhaps a kind of fish people. That's right. Fish people who have deliberately spread the idea of a plague in order to contain young women in Venice... So they can be metamorphosed into female fish aliens as part of some unholy citywide breeding programme.
2: Get a grip on yourself, Hilary.
4: Sorry, Gerald. Oh, look, here come some pupils now.
2: Yes, well, I must say I do like the school uniform. Very modern.
4: Gerald, I'm not sure I approve. They'll catch their death in these cavernous, largely empty rooms.
6: Are you Alessandra's parents?
2: Oh! Signora Calvieri, (laughs) I didn't see you standing there all of a sudden. It's a great honour for us that you would grant an audience.
4: What a lovely dress you have on, Signora. I adore the giant spiky ruff. You're too kind. Now what can I do for you? We were hoping to talk to you about Alessandra. Signora.
2: We're seeing this as a sort of uh, parent-teacher interview. Uh, an opportunity to ascertain tutoring methodology in order to identify potential easy wins with regards to ongoing learning synergy.
4: You have concerns? Well, in a way. In what way?
2: It's just when you graciously allowed Alessandra to come home from my brother's funeral, she seemed a little... Different. Different, exactly. Different How? Well, she sort of hovered a bit. Hovered? A
4: bit. And she drank the water. Well, there's nothing... uh... All
2: the water, in the house. And she ate the dog.
4: It's not like her at all. We were wondering if you'd tried any experimental teaching techniques that might explain her behaviour.
2: I mean, we're all for advanced cognitive experimentation if it yields results come exam time, but...
4: We liked the dog, and we wondered if there might be an alternative syllabus. I understand completely.
3: You do? Yes.
2: Well, that is a relief. (laughs) I must say I was a little worried that we'd seem impertinent, what with you being patron of the city and me being a humble gondolier and amateur pizza enthusiast.
6: Not at all. The answers you seek
4: lie this way, on the edge of the canal.
2: The canal, eh? Extraordinary.
4: I love the giant metal box with flashing lights you've got strapped to your leg, by the way. Very striking.
2: I'm so glad you could...
1: Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there's many ways. Many,
2: many ways. (laughs) Many,
1: many ways. You can email us at... Oodcast at me.com. Uh, there's no the at the start of that. You can also find us on Facebook. Until quite recently, we were only available to UK users of Facebook. But the page is now worldwide and you can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash theoodcast
2: yeah that's quite important if you've clicked on the link before and found you were blocked please have a look now and join because you will now be able to you'll be welcomed into the Oodcast listener community with open arms
0: and and I'll even go on there and start discussion topics for you to because I think we haven't got anything set up for ask the Dalek Agony aunt or yeah. ask the littlest doctor so yes. we could start that you can also reach us via our blog which is com. please feel free to leave comments in the comment section under anything
2: you like there's also of course iTunes if you would I would really love it if you could leave a review for us um Good reviews mean that when people type in Doctor Who, our podcast will be shown higher up. At the moment, we're not sort of even on the first page, I don't think. So uh, an iTunes review would mean the world to us.
0: Yeah, we're hearing lots of really, really lovely things. And we'd really appreciate it if you put it on there as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Mm. Um, and also you can get straight to our page by just typing oodsubscribe.com into your browser. Wow. That will take you straight there. And the other thing is Twitter. We are at the Oodcast, all lowercase, all one word. You can talk to us. We'll always talk back because we don't have anything better to do. Well,
0: I might not because I still don't understand Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. So it's already Chris and it, possibly Laura. No, we have to keep the illusion
1: that it's, yeah, it's
2: a right. just entity rather than just me always <laughs> on there.
0: <laughs> Yes, please do, because I really do understand the Twitter.
1: So, um, that's it, and it's goodbye from me, Andy, and...
2: Me, Chris Sigma.
0: And me, Chris Alpha. We'll be back next week with a review of Amy's Choice, and we're very excited, so we'll see you then, and take care. Bye.
2: Cheerio. We are in Venice,
0: and it is
6: 1580. <laughs> I know!
0: <laughs>
6: they say that the plague is gory, if quarantine you break. The doctors come here with Rory, but that is a big mistake. Just look at this ancient city, what does Amy Ponzi here? The streets and the boats are pretty, and so are the gondoliers. And oh. oh. the Venice, and Venice, doctor it's better fighting a wetter kind of menace. Up in the town they work all day Out in the sun they slave away While we devour and pray over under Venice
5: Down here all the fish are scary
6: As in the canals we wait While Signora Calvary Attempts to find us a date These girls in the school are changing Their innocent lives we'll wreck Biology's rearranging
2: Guess who gets it in the neck?
6: Under venice, under venice, under venice, under venice Just a distraction from the attraction, sparked with a kiss, with kiss And while the land folks laugh and play, we eat Italian takeaway No nuts, spaghetti, girl pushed off, jetty, under venice under venice, under venice on the attack here fell through a crack here from the abyss from the even abyss. the doctor and his friends will meet the dank of what it ends storm clouds descending heavens we're bending to drown venice the dad's feeling bad, the duck's dick is stuck, the fish cool is cruel, the trap doors are brain waves don't behave, the quake starts to shake, the groom wheels a broom of straw.
2: Yeah. The fish
6: brides can glide, the proof's on the roof, the trout snarling powder's more find the doof. and guido is clapped, he knows where it's at, and all oh, that powder blows!
1: dies, and so they flee for a crack in space and time and end up In Venice, close off the city and one by one starts changing the people into creatures like her and to start a new gene pool. got it? And then what? They come from the sea. They can't survive forever on land. So what are you going to do? Unless she's going to do something
5: for the environment to make the city habitable. She said, I shall bend the heavens to save my race.
0: She's going to sink Venice. She, she's going to sink Venice. Under Venice!
6: Under Venice! Causing much pain by making it rain we got to subsist What do they got to lot to sky we got a bunch of girls that can fly Though so we've got skills here, we've got mad skills here Under Venice Once high and mighty, drowned in her nighty. Under Venice Doctor can be cruel, killed our whole gene pool That's why us daughters are under the water We ran from silence, ended in violence Under Venice your uh, Pond <laughs> You did that in Irish
2: I don't want to try again. You saw that thing. It damn near tore my bloody head off. No no, just cast your line and see what happens. Come on, just once. If it doesn't work, then we'll pack up and go back to the hotel. <sighs> oh, all right. Just once, mind, I'm not an idiot. That's uh, fine, just once. There we are. Can I go now? Uh, just wait and see if something bites. Fine. Oh, Something's bitten.
0: Feels pretty strong. We'll reel it in then! No way! You saw what happened last time. I'm not doing it
2: again. You do it if you're that interested. Fine, pass it over. Here you are. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is strong. OH MY GOD! I told him that happened. Bloody directors.